0: So, I don't actually really know what the term millennial means. I liked it better when we were called Generation Y, because that made me think that we were doing, like, we're asking why all the time, and we're doing a lot of science and, and, and innovating and, and stuff. But yeah, I, I guess I just think of myself as a federal employee.
1: I can't make the decision of if I want to have toast or cereal for breakfast tomorrow, so it's probably a little early to say what I want to do in the future of my career. And as long as there, I think that there are problems to be solved, I would like to be one of the people helping to solve them.
2: That was Annalee Flowerhorn and Sean Heron with the General Services Administration's 18F Innovation Lab. Welcome to Studio Y, a Federal News Radio podcast. I'm Nicola Grisco, a producer at Federal News Radio.
3: And I'm web editor Mike O'Connell. Who are millennials and why are we doing this podcast? We're doing this podcast because quite often on Federal News Radio, we do stories about millennials. And by and large, when we're, when we're talking about millennials, we're talking to managers about millennials. They talk about millennials as a group, as sort of a line item in a budget or a problem uh, that needs to be solved. Exactly. And so we thought it might be a good approach if we actually spoke to millennials and heard about their concerns, what interested them and what they think about working in the federal government. Just that simple. We just want to talk to millennials.
2: I think one thing that we discovered in this first conversation is millennials maybe aren't as different as we think they are. They just grew up in a different time. They have their own perspective, their own concerns, and their own voice.
3: When I was in college, I had a professor who said, "Pick a point and start."
2: And so we're starting with Annalee Flower Horn and Sean Herron. They're two innovators at ATF's Innovation Lab at the General Services Administration. And our first question for them was, "What's it like to be a millennial in the federal government?"
0: So for me, my number one priority was finding uh, a great team that I could work with. Because if you're trying to level up as a developer, working with other talented developers is the the best way to do it. Um, So the folks that I met from 18F all had this ethic that, you know, working for the American people, they deserve your very best work. And so I knew that it was a team where I was going to learn a lot and work with really talented people. Um, And that's something that I've found since I've been here throughout the GSA, not just in 18F. So that's what I, I wanted, and that's, I think, what I found here.
1: And um, for me, you know, it's interesting because I started in the federal government as an intern at NASA when I was 19. And I thought I would do, you know, a year-long internship, be done, and probably go out to San Francisco or something like that. And in reality, I never left. And it was it was interesting because, you know, kind of through my career progression since then... Um, I've always kind of been the one person in the organization working on, on things that I'm passionate about, working on open data, open government type things. Um, and at ATF and it's, it's really cool because now I'm not just kind of the lone wolf in the organization, but rather I'm surrounded by people who are, you know, most of the time way more intelligent than me and have tons of things to teach me, tons of things that I can learn from, as well as uh, tons of things that I can hopefully teach them as well. And so it's really kind of cool to see, it, you know, kind of coming into the government thinking that I wasn't going to be there very long, thinking that I was kind of a, a career uh, enhancement opportunity, ending you know, up kind of sticking around and now being part of this amazing team that's doing incredible work across the entire government.
3: I guess, first of all, I should have asked you how old are each of you, if you don't mind sharing that information?
0: I'm 29.
1: And I'm
3: 25. Okay. So you're relatively young uh, compared to the rest of the the federal workforce. How do you see your age sort of perceived by other people uh, that you've worked with? Are they judging you on your age? Are they judging you on the work that you're doing? Or, you know, what do you think?
0: I don't feel like I have been judged particularly on my age. I mean, part of it is that I'm a software developer, which is a profession that tends to at least be perceived as skewing young. So nobody's surprised to see a 29-year-old developing software. In the federal workforce, we work with a lot of people who aren't necessarily on the 18F team directly, but, you know, in the building and and people and our agency partners who are a lot older than us. And we actually do have some older people within 18F, like Dr. Rob Reed, who is hilarious. He is an awesome guy to work with, but he's basically like everybody's uncle. Um, Everybody's uncle who can do a freestanding handstand in the middle of the office, but...
3: (laughs) Wow. That sounds like fun.
0: (laughs) Which he didn't do on work hours, I hasten to add.
1: (laughs) You know, for me, I, I deal a lot with our agency partners. I spend a lot of time uh, outside of 18F working in, you know, the headquarters of other agencies, working with people across the board. And, you know, I think that I don't, I can't recall a single time where I've ever felt judged on my age. Um, I think, you know, to some extent, people come to 18F because they want a different perspective on how, how to solve their problems. And one of the things that we, you know, very much beat the drum on is in order to get a good perspective of how to solve problems for the American people, uh, your workforce and your talent needs to represent the American people, both in terms of age, um, gender, ethnicity across the board. Uh, we, we, We really try and have a diverse workplace with a lot of differing ideas. Uh, approaches to how to problem solve. Uh, and I think, you know, the agencies, when, when we work with them and when they see how we tackle solving problems, uh, that instantly kind of clicks and they see the value in that. And, and so, you know, I, I think to some extent, none of us have ever felt our age has been a detriment. If anything, it helps because we can bring a different perspective to the table uh, that our agency partners may not otherwise have.
3: Sean, you started out as an intern at NASA. How has your perception of the federal government changed since then?
1: So I think, you know, in particular, even just over the past five or six years, the government has changed quite a bit. Uh, Workforce practices and, and how we kind of equip employees is very different, even than it was when I started at NASA. I mean, when I started at NASA, I was given kind of, you know, a bulky old laptop and a cubicle and, you know, kind of worked in this environment that, that a lot of people in my age group and people who are, you know, working in the private sector um, who I went to college with aren't really working in. And, you know, it's been amazing over the past few years to see, you know, how the federal government has very quickly shifted and actually started to address kind of a lot of next generation workforce practices. You know, for instance, here at GSA, uh, we have an amazing workspace. We have an open collaborative environment. Our employees are equipped with the technology and the tools they need to get the job done. Uh, and that's not just at HNF that's happening across the board. When I go and I visit my old friends at NASA, I see that they are having the exact same type of opportunities. There are open collaborative workspaces popping up. They have access to new technologies that weren't available previously. And so it's, it's been really remarkable to see just how quickly kind of the landscape has uh, has shifted from this kind of old mentality of, you know, here's the tool, make your job work with it, to now, you know, what type of tools do you need in order to be able to do your job most effectively?
2: So we talked to a lot of federal managers here at Federal News Radio, and one of their biggest concerns seems to be having the right tools and the ability to provide you know, a collaborative environment for a younger workforce. Do you find the government is able to provide that collaborative environment? And if so, do you think it is a step up over the private sector?
1: You know, I think ultimately the workplace culture and the environment that's set up for employees is always a derivative of the needs of the business or the agency or or whatever. You know, I think in the case of GSA and HNF, this open collaborative workspace works extremely well. For other sectors, you know, maybe, I don't know, the financial sector where you have, you know, more private conversations, a need for a little more kind of secrecy around what you're doing due to the nature of your work, maybe this approach doesn't work. I think, you know, to some extent, the government is setting a great example for places that that have similar needs than than we do in order to, uh, you know, follow kind of our lead on that. But I I don't necessarily think that you know, getting rid of walls and just putting everyone in in a big room is, you know, the answer to any, you know, single collaboration problems, that it has to be tailored to the needs of the individual case at hand.
2: Sean, can you expand a little bit more on your experience as a Presidential Innovation Fellow, you know, what that environment was like, and, you know, the sorts of skills and things that you maybe learned there?
1: Yeah, so the, the PIF program is an incredible opportunity for people from, you know, primarily the private sector to come in and do short, of service in the federal government, and you know, I was in the second round of PIFs, and we were really lucky because we had uh, people from across the board. People like Dr. Reed, who Annalie spoke about earlier, um, who has you know decades of experience in the private sector uh, and was basically you know one of the event- inventors of agile software development. Down to people like me, who were you know fairly early in their careers, but were hopefully you know wanting to make a big impact. And I I think that, you know, much like 18F, the biggest benefit of the PIF program was the fact that we had such a huge diversity of skills and backgrounds and people coming to the table, and we were able to help each other out. So I was able to not only uh, work on the initiative that I was kind of tasked with at the Food and Drug Administration, focused on open data, but also able to participate and collaborate across the board on projects across the federal government. Uh, And this was pre-18F days, uh, and so that was, you know, kind of a new thing. There weren't a lot of people doing that. And so that was that was really, really cool and a huge opportunity for people to to learn a whole bunch of stuff across the board. And so, you know, I think for me that the, the program was a fantastic opportunity to bring people who never thought they would work in government or, like me, kind of still thought, you know, maybe government is, is something I'm not going to stay in very long. And show them just how many opportunities and and how many, you know, amazing problems there are to be solved in the federal workplace. And I think it's a testament to that when you look at how many people decided to stay on after their one-year fellowship in the PIP program with 18F or with USDS to continue solving these problems into the future.
3: Having these technical skills... Why do that as opposed to you know going to the private sector where one could would think that you might be able to make more money? I mean, what what are the things that are, are keeping you here that that intrigue you about working for the federal government?
0: I mean, honestly, I like being of service. I like that I'm writing open source tools that are helping the American people, and I probably could go to the private sector, but you know, I I would rather do work that matters than have stock options and that's what we get here. We get to do a lot of work that really matters with people who really care about it. And we also get to learn a ton because we're working with people that really care about the quality of their code. And when you're in that environment, it just sort of lifts everybody up.
1: I think one of the things that that you'll see when you, you talk to pretty much anyone in our generation is that we're we're driven by more than just like you know having a steady career that pays the bills. Everyone is looking to have meaning in the work that they're doing it and really kind of have a rewarding experience out of out of their job. And I think you know you look at a lot of uh, great companies that have been popping up, bringing amazing innovations, which are not only you know profitable and, and help the investors you know uh, realize their investment, but also are helping to solve problems you know that our people are having across the uh, the world and you know at 18f one of the really cool things is that you know everyone kind of takes this oath of office when you start your federal service and I remember when I took my oath of office uh, we were in a a small conference room with I think 10 other people who were starting that day and someone came in with a little American flag and was waving it while we all kind of took the the, you know the federal oath oath of office which you know among other things says you're going to you know protect and uh, preserve the Constitution and, and all these other amazing things. And it was kind of this really cool moment when you realized, you know, you're coming here to do something big and you're coming here to do something really important and that, you know, people's lives in some situations depend upon the work that you're going to do. And, and you know, for me, it's having that moment of realization was was huge for me because I realized, you know, I have the big opportunity to not only, you know, create something cool, create something amazing, create something that can help people but create something that can help people at a scale much bigger than pretty much anywhere else on the planet. And, you know, not many companies or organizations can, can offer you that, that huge platform to do work on.
3: How do you identify yourselves? Do you consider yourselves millennials, young feds, or just, you know, normal federal government employees just doing your job?
0: So I don't actually really know what the term millennial means, because I hear people apply it to me, and then they also, I work with teenagers on on weekends, and and those guys are also called millennials. I'm sitting here going, I remember the Berlin Wall coming down, and these kids don't even remember 9-11, and we're both millennials. Like, we grew up in very different circumstances. So I liked it better when we were called Generation Y, because that made me think that we were doing, like, we're asking why all the time, and we're doing a lot of science and and, and innovating and, and stuff. But yeah, I, I guess I just think of myself as a federal employee.
3: Is there anything particular about your generation that you think are, they're bringing to uh, the the federal workforce?
0: I would say we bring a lot of of energy and passion. But I, I say that, and I don't want to say like I don't want to sound like I'm saying that other people don't also have energy and passion. But we we the sort of sheen of idealism hasn't quite rubbed off our foreheads yet, and so. Uh, we are, we're people that are really excited, and, and uh, nobody has told us yet that we can't get this stuff done. And so we're still out here being like, you know, we can do all this stuff. And you talk to other folks, and sometimes they're, they're like, oh, well, yeah, it would be really great if we could do all these things, but we would never get approval. And in, in 18F, our attitude is more like, oh, we'll worry about approval. We, we're just going to do awesome stuff, and, and you know, we, we can get it through. If, it's, if there's a will, there's a way.
2: So Analee, you bring up a really good point there. If you guys have an idea, do you find that you're encouraged to go through with that idea and and try to make it a reality or is it more of jumping through hoops and finding approval and and maybe things move at, you know, almost government pace before you're able to see results?
0: For me, I I think it is there. We are, we are sort of empowered to to just go and try something out and The thing that that sort of has moved the software industry at large towards the agile programming style as opposed to doing the thing where you come up with this giant document of everything that you want the code to do and you go through 15 layers of approval first, is that um, it is actually cheaper to just, because it is just cheaper to fail fast, to just try it out and see if it's going to work. You end up spending less time doing that than you would getting the approval. So it's a lot easier to just come up with a prototype and be like, oh, this is cool, or, you know, this, and and just iterate from there. And we actually did that on Peace Corps early on in the process. There was a thing where um, Shashank, who is a member of the Peace Corps team, just put together this thing that aggregated Tumblr posts about Peace Corps so that we could get all of these Peace Corps volunteers pictures and just, you know, come up with this, like, little tiny app that just showed you that just slurped in all these pictures from Peace Corps volunteers from all over the world on Tumblr Um, and we didn't actually end up using that but he spent a few hours doing it and it was really cool and then we were able to use that to sort of look at ways that we could focus on Peace Corps volunteers content and really bring that to the front of the project.
3: Do you think millennials have different concerns about working for the federal government? Or do you think they're pretty much the same concerns that other federal employees might have?
1: You know, I, I think that that there is different kind of layers of concerns. Like, you know, obviously, I, you know, think about my long term financial strategy, and my investment options and my health care and, and all of that. That's that's important to me. And that's things that I think I share concerns with, you know, everyone in the federal workforce around, you know, what's the best option for me to invest? What healthcare plan should I choose? All of those are, are very important to me and are concerns that I think, you know, are, are widely shared. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, I, I think that due largely in part to the environment uh, that we have at 18F, we encourage, as Annalise said, prototyping and experimentation, you know, extremely heavily, you know, in, in a lot of other environments where, you know, kind of the, the first step. To thinking of a solution is to say, well, let's write a you know hundred-page-long requirements document to figure out the best way to solve this problem. We instead have a different way of thinking about solving that. And I'm not saying that you know our way of solving problems is the way that every problem should be solved. I would never encourage 18F, for instance, to build a passenger airplane (laughs) uh, because we can't afford to fail fast when we're building a passenger airplane. But we can afford to fail fast when we are creating a web application and uh, have the opportunity to test it and, you know, see how it performs against other options and make an informed decision as to what the best solution is. And so, you know, I, I think that to some extent, we we share a lot of the same underlying concerns as the west, rest of the workforce. And then in other areas, we uh, are a little more flexible or have different concerns or have different ways of solving problems. And neither neither way is is the correct option 100% of the time.
2: So you just mentioned maybe differences in looking at a problem and solving it, which kind of brings me to, you know, what's your relationship like with your supervisors and your managers um, in the office? Are they open to your ideas and your um, ability to collaborate? Do you get feedback from them often? Can you sort of talk about, you know, what that relationship is like? My
0: supervisor is Caitlin Devine, who is our director of engineering. Um, I don't actually work with her um, day to day. I mean, we sit pretty near each other, but we're not on the same team because the way that 18F does things is that we're organized into these project teams, so you're working with the people that are working on the same project as you, and what I love about that is that it's a very collaborative environment, so it's not necessarily worrying about getting feedback from your direct supervisor, you're constantly getting feedback from your peers, what I love to do, we do a thing called pair programming which is where you've got two programmers working at the same keyboard and you would think, it's a little counterintuitive because you would think that that would slow you down because you could be writing twice as much code if you had two keyboards, but The keyboard is never the bottleneck for developers. Our bottleneck is figuring out how to implement a solution to whatever the problem is. And if you've got two people talking back and forth, well, I would do it this way, well, have we considered doing it this way? You end up getting better code written a lot faster than if you have one person that may be staring at this problem and sort of not being able to figure the whole way around it. So getting to work with other people in pair programming and also just like leaning over to the next desk and being like, Hey, have you ever dealt with this thing in OAuth before? And the person's like, uh, OAuth is terrible. (laughs) Um, you know, and so, so you end up getting a lot of feedback and collaborative sort of, uh, advice and also just getting to, getting to scrub in on projects and work with people and learn new stuff.
3: What's a typical day for each of you like?
0: So we have, we have an open floor plan, but we also have unassigned seating. So if you have a favorite desk, which I do, then you have, to get, you have to get into the office pretty early to make sure that it isn't taken yet. So my day starts around 845, which is when I get in and claim my desk. And then, you know, you just, it, it, and that's going to vary from person to person. You just kind of start work. For me, SBIR, our first, um, we have a, a daily stand-up, so at 10 every morning, um, we all supposedly stand up and talk about what we do, but we're actually doing it using our internal chat system because the rest of the SBIR team is in uh, Dayton, Ohio. So we talk about what we did the previous day, what we're planning to work on, and if anything's in our way so that we can sort of work as a team to get around any problems. So if there's anything that's like, I can't do this until somebody else does that, everybody knows that, and it's, you know, you don't end up hurrying up and waiting for people. Um, so we do stand up and then we dig in on bugs, and usually, um, I work pretty closely with Catherine Devlin, who's the other back-end developer on SBIR. So she and I usually pair in the afternoons, so we'll pick a bug and, and start hacking on it. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much my day.
3: How about you, Sean?
1: So um, for me, I do a lot of client relations work. So I spend a lot of time outside the office at other federal agencies meeting with stakeholders, meeting with you know users of, of various software applications who... Um, you know, are giving us advice or, or helping us understand the problem a little bit deeper so that I can go back uh, to our team and communicate to them and say, you know, here's what I learned when I did you know, this fact-finding. Let's figure out what we should build to help solve that. So I spend a lot of time on my feet, a lot of time in meetings at different agencies. Uh, and then when I'm in the office, I'm normally either doing stand-ups, uh, working with our team to prioritize solving various problems, or when I can, uh, checking out a problem or two from our kind of issue tracker and doing a little bit of development to help solve those.
2: This is sort of a random aside, but do you guys like the unassigned seating?
0: I really wish that I could reserve my desk. I I, I really wish that I could reserve my desk, because I have a favorite desk, and I like to sit at it. But uh, the thing, uh, GSA is kind of the test kitchen for a lot of policies that get tried out in the federal workforce because we're America's landlord. We are responsible for all of the federal properties throughout the United States. So when they're trying out new things that will improve the efficiency of the federal workforce, they try them out here first before they ask other agencies to try them. And one of the things that they do is they have a generous telework policy and then they have desk hoteling, which is where you don't have your own permanent desk because somebody else might be using that desk on a day that you're teleworking. And that allows them to put more workers in less space and sort of be more efficient about how um, how those resources are used.
2: Are there any misconceptions that you think maybe just you know aren't true about people your age either working in government or maybe not working in
1: government? So I, I think for me, one of the, the biggest misconceptions that I see is that there's generally at times kind of this, con- this perception that if we just bring, you know, the right tool to the table, like if we, if, if we just had like the Facebook for this or the Uber for this, we could solve the problem. And, you know, that's, that's sometimes said both by people in my age group and people outside of my age group who want people in my age group to come and develop the Uber for X. And in reality, you know, every problem that we tackle at 18F, every single problem I think kind of across the board that you will ever run into is not something that can be solved solely by technology or solely by bringing in a new tool. Every single time we work on a problem at 18F, we kind of have this Venn diagram of technology, culture, and policy. And ideally, in everything that we build, we we don't try and, and just build the technology portion of it and we try not to just make the tool we're not just a shop that is you know putting out new websites all the time rather we look at the holistic problem and say okay a tool can be part of this but we also need to address this policy that is you know blocking people from being able to do their job or create a policy that enables people to do something more efficiently Uh, as well as you know look at the culture and, and look at how people think about solving problems and try and adapt to that as well. And so the biggest kind of misconception I see is is kind of this belief that, you know, solely just bringing in new tools is going to fix the problem, when in reality, most of the time, it's a little bit bigger than that. And you have to look at a whole slew of different factors uh, when you try and create a new solution.
0: To your question about sort of stereotypes about millennials, I think I, you know, you hear the you see a lot of these think pieces about how millennials are lazy or they need special treatment or, you know, we think we're all that and I'm pretty sure Aristotle was saying the same thing about the young people of of his day, like it's it's just sort of a perpetual thing. And you know, we graduated into a really bad like when we were entering the workforce, the economy was not in a good place and we sort of had to learn to bootstrap and make our own way. To start off our careers, and so we have this this attitude of both being really grateful for the jobs that we have, but also this attitude of, of trying to figure out another way around a problem.
3: What's next for each of you?
0: So that's actually an open question. Um, we get hired in 18F under a special hiring authority, so we um, we're here on a two year for for two years, and then with a possible two year extension, and then after that we're done. We can't we can't just stay on indefinitely, and I'm. I, kinda, I really want to know if there's a way that, that we can stay on after that, because I've been here about six months now, and I, I feel like I want to be here a lot longer than four years. So I might end up having, you know, sort of going back to the private sector, but I'm really hoping to stay in public service.
1: And uh, for me, I can't make the decision of if I want to have toast or cereal for breakfast tomorrow, so it's probably a little early to say what I want to do in the future of my career. But I think it's, it's definitely true that you know, the government offers a really unique opportunity to solve problems at a stage uh, and on a platform much bigger than any other place I've ever seen. Uh, and I think that's going to be true for the foreseeable future. And as long as there, I think that there are problems to be solved, I would like to be one of the people helping to solve them.
3: You've been listening to Annalee Flowerhorn and Sean Heron of the GSA's 18F Innovation Lab talking about their experiences as members of Generation Y in the federal workforce. This podcast was produced by Michael O'Connell and Nicole Lagrisco for Federal News Radio.
2: Find out more about Studio Y and download more episodes of our podcast at federalnewsradio.com.